When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. On a day where Sydney deal with potential COVID outbreaks and declare hotspots and both the AFL and the NRL watch on closely. Good evening and welcome to a special two-hour edition of Time On Tonight. Coming up in about 10 minutes from now, Tom Harley, the CEO of the Sydney Swans, will join us. We'll talk about the situation in New South Wales and how it may affect the Swans somewhere down the line. John Longmire's take on the game. And have Sydney been cursed with an injury list like no other? Max King from the Melbourne Storm to join me next hour. Danny Widler will talk more about the New South Wales issue with the NRL and COVID and a stack of your calls. It's time on. company good evening and welcome a couple of minutes after six o'clock it is tuesday the 14th of july my name's jack heverin it's a great day to be alive two-hour edition tonight the melbourne storm boys who are normally on from seven o'clock this evening they've got an evening training session i mentioned that we'll catch up with max king that'll be on the very back end of their training session they're playing at night friday night sunshine coast so they wanted to have a night run so that's what they'll be doing and we'll check in with them a little bit later on and still to come later on tonight as well the boys from talking city will be in but as it stands right now and tom harley to join me in in a couple of minutes from now about 10 minutes from now as it stands right now there's a fair bit happening ben long's currently at the tribunal learning his fate will it be two will it be three will it be four could it even be more i doubt it but he's up. Dylan Shield will be up in about half an hour from now. That was scheduled to be 6.30 that Dylan Shield would be up in front of the tribunal for his bump. Uh, but at this stage, that may be pushed back given how long the Ben Long case is going. So we'll find out more on that across the night. Daniel Cherney from Fairfax Media is there covering it and he'll join us when he gets the opportunity to tell us what's going on there. Speaking of the Bombers... Joe Danaher suffers a setback this afternoon. Cal Toomey from AFL.com.au reporting the story that he strained a calf at training. He's now at least another two to three weeks away from any sort of action. So just when it seemed as though Joe was going to start having a run around in some scratch matches and we could see him towards the back half of the year, it's not ruling him out altogether, but it does put him back by a couple of weeks. Callum Ward has reported knee soreness at the Giants. Now, he'll miss up to six weeks. It's important to get this out there, too, that this is not his knee con- uh, reconstructed knee. 
but has reported a level of soreness that the Giants are now going to go in and take a look at it. So big blow for their midfield, which is under a lot of discussion at the moment. Their clearance numbers, which we highlighted last night on the Oval Office with Liam Pickering, their, their clearance numbers are down. They just don't have the same sort of flow through the middle of the ground. And Callum Ward, an enormous part of that, won't be there for the next six weeks. To racing... And there's going to be a bit of a New South Wales flavour about the show tonight because there is a lot going on and they have declared two official hotspots now in both Liverpool and Campbelltown. Uh, Racing New South Wales have called off Warwick Farm tomorrow because of the cluster and the risk. And if you think from a racing point of view, they've done such an amazing job to push through all around Australia, uninterrupted from the moment that things started to change in our lives here. Racing made significant change, but we're able to race all the way through. All three codes will, uh, they want to continue that. So there'll be no racing in metro, from a metropolitan sense in New South Wales tomorrow. Uh, and in the NBL, free agency opens tomorrow. There's been a lot of discussion around Chris Goulding's name is at the very top of the list. Does he stay at Melbourne United? There's been some interest from at least two interstate clubs Wouldn't be surprised if there was interest from every single club. But where does he sit? Where does Cameron Glidden sit? His name being discussed with the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Ruben Tarangi, previously of the Brisbane Bullets as well, discussed as being a move to the Phoenix. Adelaide have been busy in the off-season with not only their coach but player movements as well. There's a lot to work through. Some of those snippets might start to filter through this evening. If they do, we'll keep you across them. As always, though, we start the show with your calls. one 736 736 I want to tap into you as the footy fan. We're all loving the fact that footy's back. Some are a bit more critical on the way that the game looks at the moment. But having footy is a damn sight better than what it was the first time we were in lockdown where we had no footy. So let's park the way the game looks for now. That, that's another topic for another day that I'm certain someone will do tomorrow. But I want to talk to you as a footy fan. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. We saw the fixture for round eight come out last night and it had another Monday game in there. So we've got a Monday game coming up this week, Adelaide and St Kilda. And now we've got another Monday game on top of that. Start to wonder whether with having to get games in and depending on the movements of what's happening in New South Wales and, and every state is a possibility to have an outbreak at some stage, We might see more Monday footy. There's even discussion around that we could see some Tuesdays, some Wednesdays. We could be in a situation where we have a game a day for a month so that the AFL can try and stay ahead of the curve. So you as the footy fan, 1300 736 736, I'll pose this question to you. How much footy is too much footy? Because after round eight, we could have four rounds played in three weeks on pretty much every night of the week. That's the discussion around at the moment. So I talk to you as a fan, by either on TV or on the radio or however you consume it, one three hundred seven three six seven three six. How much is too much? We love our footy, but do we want to have it every single night of the week? Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen to join me as well. My concern, I'll tell you about in just a moment, because the news has landed from the tribunal that Ben Long is going to be suspended now for three weeks, which. Seemed like the common consensus. I reckon even the most died in the wall St Kilda fan probably knew that Ben Long was up against it. Three weeks. In a 17-week season, three weeks is a bit. It's a fair price to pay. So uh, he won't be there. And Dylan Shield will begin his case very, very shortly. So more on that to come as well. My concern with how much footy is too much footy 
is that we don't want a situation like the Big Bash where understanding that we're going to need to be cramming all of these games in and understand that we have got to play a series of games to keep the competition moving and by keeping the games going, in the event that something drastic happens and we have to pull back even further, we've got a game, a set of games in the bank. But one of the biggest criticisms around the Big Bash, and it's been mine too, as much as I love cricket and I love the Big Bash, is that one game rolls into the next and they almost become meaningless because if you miss the game on Monday, that's okay because you can get the game on Tuesday. And if you miss the game on Tuesday, well, no sweat because you can get the game on Thursday. That's my biggest worry. I'm understanding why we might need to do it, but I still feel like there's a way that it could be done where we could have, say, Tuesday and Wednesday as nights to just take a deep breath and relax. There's the Monday reviews and all the footy shows, which a lot of people love, and there's the the breakdown of it that we do on a Monday here at SEN as well. one 736 736 How much is too much? If we get to a situation where we've got to string a stack of games together, do you want to see them roll one after the other after the other? Or do we need a break of a day or two? Your calls and your texts very, very shortly. Speaking of your texts, Ryan uh, off the speckle, 0433981116, says most fans will only watch one to two games, so it won't affect us. It will only affect the media. Yeah, to an extent, maybe. Um, but if we're in lockdown at the moment, there's not a great deal of options available, is there? Other than to leave the home for work, for exercise, for essentials, there's not much more that we can really be doing. So by having footy on, does it at least provide some sort of entertainment? Ryan's in the belief that most footy fans don't watch every game anyway. This one as well. Don't compare footy to the Big Bash. No, I'm not. But I am saying that that's been one of the biggest criticisms of the Big Bash is that it's a tournament that starts in December and they play every day and the games become inconsequential. So that's the comparison. Not comparing footy to cricket or footy to the Big Bash. What I am saying, though, is that's what it can look like if we are to potentially go down this path. 0433981116. This one uh, as well. I don't have a name for this one. Uh, don't like footy on every night. Would need a bit of a breather. That's been a bit of a theme. We've got about 50 texts already on this. That's been a a bit of a common theme is that most fans want a bit of a break, just a day or two to reload and go again for the next round of games. Tony's in East Bentley. Tony, thanks for your call. G'day, Jack. First question to cheer me up. How's little bubs doing? She's outstanding, mate. She's growing hair, so she's got more than her father already, and uh, she's <laughs> she's loving life. Thank you. You're a legend, mate. Can we just finish the season off as a long-suffering Saints supporter? <laughs> it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Why is that? Well, after the game against Frio and North Melbourne, it's just getting get going to get more and more painful for me and other long-suffering Saints supporters. Yeah. St Kilda, I don't know, Tony. Thanks for your call. St Kilda kind of put me back on my haunches a little bit on the weekend. I was just starting to believe, just starting to think that maybe the wheel was turning and then that happened on the weekend. And I know Saints fans have been really, really flat as a result of it. Tony, thank you for your call. 0433981116. Tony's a bit flat. Um, this one off the text. That's BS. Most people I know watch every game. Well, I'm, I'm only going off what's on the text. I'm not generalizing. I know a lot of people that watch most games. I reckon the average 
I reckon most would watch the the Thursday game, the Friday, maybe catch one on the Saturday and maybe one or two on the Sunday. It's an interesting one. one three hundred seven three six seven three six helps settle that debate then. How much do you watch? If we're discussing how much footy is too much footy, as a fan, how many games a week do you watch? We'll get stuck in your calls very shortly. Comes a bit of a concern when hot spots or, or clusters flare up, and I think you know this is going to be the case all over Australia. It's, I guess it's happening everywhere, and it's a matter of uh, how, how can the transmission be contained? How can it be? How can it be stopped? So, uh, we're hoping that it's you know that they are, I guess, incidents that can be contained. And you know, I know the premiers have got a press conference this morning about 11:30 to talk about some additional measures. So. Yeah, it's a concern for sure because we know how rapidly the circumstances change in Victoria and, and elsewhere. That's the CEO of the Giants, Dave Matthews, talking to Jared Waitley this morning. In that grab, he did mention that there was a press conference to come. And what we learnt from the New South Wales Premier's press conference earlier in the day is that there are now officially two hotspots and they are watching the situation very closely. That's just one of a number of things that we want to talk to the CEO of the Sydney Swans, Tom Harley, about, who's always very generous with his time here on SEN. Tom, welcome back. G'day, Jack. How are you going? Hey, excellent. Thanks for being with me. Um, you would be watching the situation pretty closely right now, I'd imagine, not only from uh, your own health and well-being perspective and your, your families, but also what footy might look like in the next couple of weeks for you. Yeah, there's no doubt, and I've heard that the back end of Dave's comments just then and uh, spoke to Dave a couple of times today. Um, uh, we're obviously in this together and we're in this as a code and uh, uh, clearly uh, New South Wales has had a, uh, a bit of a spike and a hot spot um, out in South West Sydney the past uh, past couple of days and uh, you do have to be on alert. I think the starting position uh, for the code and for, I guess, the society more broadly um, is making sure that everyone's doing the right thing and saying it's as safe and as, as healthy as possible. So that's that's where we start. And then the implications, I guess, that flow onto the, the code and your own individual club, you have to be on alert with. But um, we'll be led by the AFL and we'll be led by uh, New South Wales government as to, as, to, uh, as to how we play out the, the next couple of weeks. You would have no doubt played out all of the scenarios regardless. Is one of those, if, if you do have to get up and go for a period of time, you, have you begun to plan for that before the developments of today? Oh, not specifically, Jack. I think it's. Um, I think when we started the restart of the competition, everything was on the table. And I mean, if you'd said three weeks ago that uh, there would there'd be a round of footy with no games in Victoria, um, and the ten Victorian teams are in New South Wales, Queensland, and WA, you'd, you'd think, gee, that, that that's a bit of a stretch. But that's, I guess, a, an example of how flexible we all need to be. So, all through the restart, we've had those sorts of thoughts. How far we've actually progressed planning. Um, uh, specific to hubs is, 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 is not that advanced, to be perfectly honest, but um, it's a watching brief at the minute. And, uh, you know, as you said last week, we'd already played West Coast Eagles and the likelihood of, of travelling to Perth, as an example, you would have thought was slim, but um, as we always reiterate to our, our staff and players, that uh, they just play with what's right in front of you and that, uh, that changes day by day at the moment, as we've seen over the last week or so. Now, Tom, what's going on at the Swans HQ? Is there a smash mirror somewhere or someone walked under a ladder? The run that your club is having with injuries this year is is extreme for this early in a season, as I've seen. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, it is a challenge, Jack. And 
Um, I think in footy, in in, in, uh, in footy, you always have to look under every rock as to as to the outcomes that you're putting putting on the park, and you walk between the lines of uh, excuses and reasons, and you need to be really clear about that. And we're not an excuse-making football club. Um, there are some reasons for some of our performance at the moment, and, and the injuries is particularly the unpreventable ones. I mean, we had two on the weekend. Um, I think Josh Kennedy was having a really strong season. Uh, he, he does his medial in a tackle, and then yeah. Isaac um, hurts his ankle. I mean, they're, they're unpreventable. So you want to make sure you control the preventable ones. And we've had a few of those that we need to make sure we get better at. But, um, yeah, we'd like a nice rub of the green, uh, especially with players over about 191 centimetres, because it does make it quite challenging. <laughs> basically, that's a, the vast majority of your injury list right now. So Isaac's injury, dislocated ankle and a ruptured ligament. Was surgery realistically the only option for him? Yeah, it was. He had that last night. And, um, uh, for John Longmire's press conference yesterday, I thought he explained it really well. Isaac's, he's, a, he's a tough, tough uh, player, and he doesn't complain. He plays banged up quite often. Um, and so the surgery was absolutely required. He had, he had that last night. So he's, he's in a boot for a couple of months and, and clearly out for the rest of the season. So um, he'll be uh, all eyes towards 2021. And um, he's an absolute professional, so I've no doubt he'll do the rehab um, that's required of him and uh, be ready to go for a, a fresh pre-season. It's uh, probably not thinking about pre-season, but it'll, it'll come out pretty quickly. <laughs> have you got anything from a positive point of view? Have you got someone that's that's going to be back in the next couple of weeks? Yeah, look, we've got we've got um, we're hopeful. Cal Sinclair is not too far away. He'll train with the main group. Um, Sam Reed had a hit out with the reserves on the weekend, um, so he's not too far away, obviously. And Tom McCartan had a concussion, um, and he's back running. So I guess they're sort of all in the mix. I'm not close enough to selection to preempt who's going to come back when. Um, I mean, the positive for us is that, uh, you know, we're turning to kids, and we do think we've got some really exciting young players. We had uh, two debutantes on the weekend in Dylan Stevens and mm. Chad Warner. They equipped themselves... Well, I thought, and uh, we've got another couple from last year's draft that wouldn't be too far away with um, Elijah Taylor and Will Gould as well. So uh, for the Swan fans out there, we'll, we'll be seeing the, the next generation of bloods um, probably a bit earlier, but uh, but exciting nonetheless. Uh, I guess in some ways, Tom, and obviously the injuries are the last thing you, w- you want, but it does give you the opportunity. It does give Swans fans the opportunity, and, and Swans fans have been texting us here at SEN saying that this year may be tough, but they can see some mm. real light at the end of the tunnel with some of the players that you've mentioned. Yeah, particularly, Jack, when you when you bring players through together as a group and you look look throughout footy history, the, the, the strong teams with sustained success have groups of players coming through together. We've got that opportunity now. Some of that opportunity has been forced by injury, um, but at the same time, um, we don't just give games away. So... Yeah. Um, so we're excited about that, and, and it's, to be honest, it's happened over the past couple of years. You know, we've got um, players like uh, Ollie Florent or Hayward started tri- notching up sort of 60 games now. We'll, uh, Tom Papley's in the same boat. Um, Tommy McCartan played 31 games before he turned 20. Nick Blakey, another one. So we think we've got the genesis of our, uh, our next really strong team, and, and we've got some fantastic role models in. Um, or some of our experienced players. So it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a tricky time at the moment. It's a tricky time for everyone at the moment. Um, but you always have to be glass half full. And, and the positive for us is we get a really good look at some of our young kids coming through. Tom Harley, the CEO of the Sydney Swans, joining us tonight on Time On. Uh, the coach was pretty forthright yesterday, wasn't he? Didn't mess around? I thought he was, I thought he was brilliant, um, Jack. It was... Um, uh, clearly, he, he said he said what he felt he needed to say. He was absolutely supported by our footy club. And... Um, Look, I know that there's a, an insatiable media appetite for our game, but it's um, important that uh, 
that John put the facts on the on the table, and um, uh, I thought he was really clear about that, respectful and, uh, and full of class. So um, no, I, was, I was really really happy with the way John responded yesterday. Uh, aside from your game, you you see the game as as well as anyone. Uh, is there? How, what are you making of footy in 2020? Is there some substance to some of the conversation about the way the game's played, or are you, are you disagreeing with a lot of what you're seeing and, and reading and hearing? Yeah, I'm disagreeing with most. I, I think, I think again, a bit like we were talking about with injuries, Jack, when you've got reasons and excuses, it's a different sort of season. You know, we've had limited pre-season. We've got shorter games. Shorter games, by definition, means the scores will be less. And I think sometimes just when the scores look like they're less, the immediate assumption is the game must be poor. But um, look, we've always been really cracking games. There's always been some games that are not so good. Um, and I'm, I'm more in the camp of the game typically finds a way. So, um, look, the, the coaches and clubs and players all have a raft of tools at their disposal to attack, defend, uh, play quick, slow things down and and me personally, I think um, the more, I guess, tools you've got at your disposal to um, play the game at different speeds, tempos, attack, defence, as I say, um, that's a good thing because it does create a predictability. So no, I'm, more in, I'm more in the camp of, uh, look, it's not that bad. We started the show tonight, Tom, by talking about the midweek potential of games on a Monday and, and we're seeing for the next couple of weeks, a Tuesday, a Wednesday. We obviously don't know what it looks like in two weeks, let alone six weeks, but mm-hmm. could you see a situation where we do have more Monday and possibly even Tuesday, Wednesday games? Yeah, I think so. And it's, I've got no no facts to support any of this, but just what I'm reading the tea leaves, like a lot of people are. If we're talking about a condensed fixture and um, you know quick turnarounds for games, it makes sense to work them out throughout the week. And um, the games have been rating exceptionally well, which is you know it's a good reflection of the state of the game as well. And obviously the appetite's there, so uh, why not? If the opportunity is to uh, to showcase the game uh, over more nights a week, now whether it's seven nights a week, I'm not sure, but um, five or so, I could see that happening. So uh, um, it's a it's a strange old year, and uh, we're all committed to getting through the season. So why not try a few things? And if that's midweek games, I'm all for it. Just lastly, before I let you go, I was thinking about this today. I was talking to a player manager, and I asked him about the draft. Have they started to talk to youngsters yeah. and try and sign the 18 year olds and all that sort of stuff? And a lot's up in the air. There's obviously the immediate that we need to deal with. But as a club, how do you go about planning for? Recruiting, drafting, trade period, etc. Have you even got that far yet? You used to, Jack. And, and I mean, Gillan McLaughlin was on a record earlier in the year saying the draft will go ahead. So, again, play with what's in front of you. And uh, talking to Kinnear Beats now, um, this manager the other day, uh, I guess, looking at historical vision, um, any vision available. There's games going ahead in WA and SA, so you can keep tabs on, on this year's talent. Um, you know, there's a, there is a collegiate um, approach to, uh, to I guess, access to vision. Mm. So, um, look, there's there's always plenty to do. And then, I mean, there's a huge uncertainty, clearly, with the list sizes and the salary caps and all of those sorts of things. But um, I think you do need to just play, as I said, I've said it a couple of times, just play with what's right in front of you at this point in time. And um, what we know right now is we currently have lists of up to 46 and the salary cap is what it is. And there's a draft at the end of the year and there's vision of draft, potential draftees and, and state league comps. So uh, just get on and be diligent with that. And, and if things change, which they probably inevitably will, um, you adapt as you go. It's been a very busy day for you, Tom. Thanks for taking a few minutes to have a chat. We really appreciate it as always.
No problem, Jack. Anytime. Tom Harley, the CEO of the Sydney Swans, joining us on Time On. What'd you make of that? 0433 98 11 16 on the text, 1300 736 736 on the phone. Tom Harley believing that we might see more Monday footy, some Tuesday footy, etc. Uh, and the opportunity that it's giving the Sydney Swans to at least unveil some of the youngsters. Not necessarily in the circumstance that they would like. They'd love to have them out there with senior players and bleed them in slowly, but absence creates opportunity. Cam and Roval off the, talk, uh, off the text says, as a Swans member, I'm wrapped with our kids. Can't play finals every year, but with this young group, I'm feeling a five to ten year run of big time opportunities. Gun kids coming through. Love supporting the club. Please pass this on to Tom. Well, Cam, uh, Tom is on hold so you can hear that. So we appreciate your texts. More of your calls and more of your texts about how much footy is too much footy. I've got a stack of your texts to get through there. Been an interesting debate. I've been watching the texts roll in in the last 15 minutes. Most in favour of more, but a decent amount in favour of what we've got at the moment and no less. I'll take your calls and get to your texts after this on Time On. I mean, you, you, you never want to go through it, but controlling the controllables and just adapting to, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're scrolling down on, on news websites around what's happening because, you know, that's how, how tight it's been in terms of just not hearing the information. Like, it's been, it's been fascinating. And, and thrilling is almost the appropriate word because you don't know what's happening next. And the challenge, I think, for us, um, is going to be in Collingwood as well, along with Freo and, and West Coast, is just being locked down and having that really extended break between games. Um, one of the, the agreements in the CBA is uh, the number of uh, five-day breaks, which was at one for 2019, I think, um, and had to be agreed upon in, in 2020. Now it's been extended to three, and uh, you know the, the, the ongoing conversation clearly is going to be extending that out which players have been um, really really open to whatever whatever it takes will do um, but it does make the hub life go quicker you know when you it's on that five day turnaround if you're winning you know you can enjoy that five days if you're losing after a couple of days you're, you're focusing on the new opposition quickly so the challenge comes with with the big breaks in between that that was Patrick Dangerfield talking with Jared Waitley this morning. The full chat's available on the podcast. As always, they cover a lot of ground. But the points there about the shorter breaks was one that interested me listening this morning because that's what we're talking about tonight. How much footy is too much footy? Would you be in a situation where you'd be loving to have footy every night of the week or do you want a couple of days to slow things down, back it off, and then we reload and go again? If we are going to be playing a few Monday games, do you want the Tuesday and the Wednesday just to reset? Or do you just want it to roll all the way through? Dan off the text says, I'm good with footy every night. Uh, I lost my job today. So the prospect of having the option of watching a game a night uh, feels fantastic. Dan, I'm thinking of you, buddy. I didn't realise that uh, that had happened to you, but thanks for sharing that. And uh, fingers crossed things can look up for you sooner rather than later. Mark's in Bacchus Marsh. Good evening to you, Mark. Hey, Jack. How are you, man? Good, thanks. That's good. That's good. I can see the, how you can make a comparison with the AFLs that an overload every night, you know, compared to the Big Bash and so on, so on, so on. But when you actually break it all down, there's a lot of variables, a lot of differences um, between the two. Like, for example, ones in summer, it's nice and warm, plus daylight savings, so you've got option B, you're not locked down. C, there, you know, you can go to the movies, um, you know, the movies, 
where there's no new movies coming out, and not even on Foxtel and that. Pretty much most of the new movies are all being held back at the moment. You've got winter. Um, you've also got a diversity as in you've got 18 teams versus eight teams. So with 18 teams, that, that sort of piques more interest. You've also got a sport in the Big Bash where a game can be over in the first five overs. You know, a team loses in Big Bash, you lose four for 15. You know, you pretty much know it's over. And there's a whole lot of games that are over by the first innings. Yeah. You know, you know pretty much the waste. Where with most AFL games, they're live at least until halfway through the third quarter. Well, we, we hope so, Mark. Appreciate your call. We, we hope that they're always like that. They're not always. And we have seen some situations where a team's conceded the first few and then been okay after that and fought their way back. You've only got to go back to Essendon last Friday night. They conceded the first three against Collingwood and, and won the game from there. The, the comparison with the Big Bash has been an interesting one. There's a few different texts on that one, some agreeing and some disagreeing. The, the comparison that I've made is is more that it's on every night. So you, you're not as fast. You're fast if you miss your team. So if you're a Saints fan, you'll be fast if you miss your team that are playing on Monday night, but you're probably not as fast if you miss the other games. That was the comparison I was making there. And that's the feedback. I remember sitting in this chair over December, January, into February on this show and asking the same questions about the Big Bash. And that was the overwhelming feedback at this stage is that most fans thought that there was too much, it went for too long, and that a game every night made most games inconsequential because it didn't matter whether you saw it or not. That's the risk that footy could run. But we may not be left with a choice. We may have to just bundle them all in because that's the situation off the text, football, that's from Breton by Morris. Football on every night is ridiculous. I hated it when the Big Bash was on telly every night. It spoils the products. That, that's kind of what I'm saying there. That's some of the theme anyway. There's a lot of text to get to. Tony's in Belfield, firstly. G'day, Tony. How are you going, guys? Good. Um, sorry. Um, yeah, for years we've heard the rhetoric about how much it should be celebrated that Hawthorne, Sydney and Geelong have managed to keep contending every year without having to dip into the draft. And now we look at the state of Sydney, who are obviously going through a rebuild. Hawthorne, who this week, if you listen to most of the media, are having to go through a rebuild. You look at the state of Geelong's list, and they've got a lot of old champions there who aren't going to play even one more year, let alone two. Are we going to see something similar from Geelong? You might. I'm, I'm less inclined to think that that's the case because I look at, you've used 28 players this year already. We've seen looks at Zach Guthrie. Jordan Clark's a high draft pick and, and I'm a huge believer that Jordan Clark's going to be a serious player. Um, Tom Atkins, Sam Simpson was superb last week when he took his opportunity. We, we haven't seen James Parsons this year. We haven't seen Charlie Constable this year. Asava Radagalia is emerging. I'm not saying he's going to win the next seven premierships, but the difference, I think, now is that these youngsters are getting games while you're at the top end, and perhaps that didn't happen as much with Hawthorne as maybe it should have, but they had such a strong team for so long that you can't just, as Tom Harley just told us before, you don't just give games away. Um, no, I wouldn't be as concerned, Tony. Um, the Sydney fall this year, most would have expected that they would have been somewhere in the bottom half of the table. I think I had them bottom six. I tried to bracket teams with top eight, mid-table and bottom and bottom six. I had them as bottom six. The injury side of things, they, they would be a much better footy team with Kennedy available, with Heaney available, with Franklin, with Reed, with Sinclair. I'm trying to think of a couple of others that, that haven't been out there. Caden Brand even for a bit of, 
bit of depth down the back half of the ground, they'd be better with those guys available. So I don't see that with the Cats. What I do see with the Cats this year is depth in the list because all of those youngsters that I mentioned, they've been in, they've been out. Some of them are now absolute locks in the team, like a Brian Myers and um, Menegola missed some parts of last year, albeit through injury, but now a lock in that team, fit and firing, Parfit. Uh, Narkel has got an injury, but Narkel just about in their best team every week when he's available. Jack Henry's emerging nicely. Now, I reckon if I'm a Cats fan, Tony, I reckon I'm pretty happy with how things are looking at the moment. Still get a couple of years minimum out of Selwood. You'll get three to four minimum out of Dangerfield and Tom Hawkins playing good footy at the moment, 11 goals for the season. Yeah, I, I wouldn't at all be concerned about that. Sandra's in Ringwood. Sandra, good evening. Good afternoon, mate. How are you hey, tonight? I'm excellent, thanks. Good. Um, I, I like the footy every night. I reckon it's a good idea. Yeah? You, you, which, who do you support, Sandra, by the way? Uh, Brizzy. Brizzy, okay. And you'd be happy to watch yeah. Brizzy play, but watch the other games as well? Yeah. Excellent. That's It's interesting you say that, Sandra. Thank you for your call. And there's more text to get to on the other side of this. I'd say it's mostly, if I was trying to do the the old pie chart, I reckon it's about 75% yes. And maybe even 80% yes and 20% no. Your text, more of your calls. Midweek footy, yay or nay? It's time on on SEN. Good to have your company on time on. 0433 98 11 16 is how you can join me on the text. You can also find me on the phone. 1300 736 736. Two-hour edition of time on tonight. Danny Weidler from Channel 9 in Sydney is going to join me to start next hour. He's going to tell us the latest from an NRL perspective. I mentioned off the top tonight that New South Wales made some changes or some announcements, I should say, today. A couple of official hotspots, Liverpool and Campbelltown areas, with potentially more to be announced over the next couple of days. There are sporting teams based in those regions. Uh, There's the threat of racing tomorrow being potentially compromised, so there'll be no Metropolitan Racing and Warwick Farm, which was scheduled to be on tomorrow. We'll talk about that from an NRL point of view and how that may affect the travel schedule and the fixture a little bit later on. Max King from the Melbourne Storm will join me before 8 o'clock as well. No Melbourne Storm hour this week. The boys have got a training session under lights because they're playing under lights this week on the Sunshine Coast. So Kingy will join us after the training session and tell us how the preparations are going for this week's game. But back to your calls and your texts. We're talking how much footy is too much footy. In a way, it sort of almost seems strange that those words would ever leave my mouth. That's the discussion that we're having tonight. After round eight, it's potentially a major possibility that four rounds will have to be played in the best part of three weeks so that we can try and stay ahead of things. Yay or nay? How much is too much? Would you happily nestle in and watch every night? Blair in Sunbury says, footy every night I think would be fine if need be, especially in the current climate. Let's face it, not much else for people to do. Casual observers can opt in and opt out whenever they like and generally work their week around watching their own team play. Grant from Perth says, too much footy. You're kidding, right? Too much footy is barely enough. Uh, Harry from Aspendale says, I don't have access to Foxtel, so I think that three to four games that they have on free-to-air television every week is enough. I wouldn't want to watch close to nine games every week, even if it's spread out anyway. I guess it's still better than the days when I grew up with no live games on television, and then it started on Sunday afternoon only, and then from Friday night around 30 to 35 years ago. It's hard to even... 
I'm 30, single, and I live on my own. I work Sundays. I say bring it on. I currently watch Thursdays, Fridays, and have Saturdays on in the background as I potter around the house. If it's on through the week, I'll be watching for sure. And this one also. not uh, Normally every night is too much, but this year we need it to get in as many games done as possible before it shuts down, which is not that far away, so let's just do it. That's just a flavour of some of your text. Peter's in Melbourne. Peter, good evening. Hey, I uh, like to see the footy go in most nights, but it's nothing new. Uh, in the 70s, 80s, 90s, they used to play uh, Tuesday nights and Wednesday nights in the night competition out at Waverley. Uh, I've heard about this, Pete. You'll, you'll have to forgive me. I'm a child of the 80s or the mid-80s, so it was uh, some of it was a bit before please. me. Tell us more. They used to play the pre... Uh, Used to be uh, the Herald. Uh, I can't remember. It must be the Herald uh, paper. It used to uh, be an Anzac and Mary. And used to be they used to Western Australian clubs would come over to Victoria and play too mm. in the Nikon. Uh, so yeah, I think so, the Escort Cup is ringing a bell, Pete. Appreciate your call. The Escort Cup's ringing a bell at some point. There'll be some that will would have been around for that era, will tell me that that's not the case. But that's, I don't know, that seems to be ringing a bell for some reason. Yeah, it's not completely foreign. Uh, what we might see is a lot more of it played in the in the northern part of Australia. Tom Brown from Channel 7 reporting the AFL is considering extending the Queensland hub to include far north Queensland. So we might see some games in Cairns and Townsville and it's very, very possible that footy will be based out of Queensland, South Australia, and WA, and that New South Wales, depending on what happens, uh, may be taken out of the equation for the next period of time as well. Uh, this one from Jeff in Applecross in WA says, I'm convalescing after knee surgery and I watched all nine games of each of the last two rounds. I now think that there is such a thing as too much footy. However, watching a game a night wouldn't be all that bad. That's only seven games a week, though. Jeff? Hope you're recovering nicely. Thanks for texting in. This one should only be on four nights. No more than that. Um, more games are fine to watch. The grounds won't cope, though. That's from Stoffs. I just started to notice a couple of the decks. Metricon in particular, I wouldn't say it's unplayable or anything like that. Just starting to chop up a fraction. It's hard to tell because obviously we can't travel at the moment either. So we're calling games from a, a hub or a studio. So we're seeing the same things that you're seeing in many ways. But I just started to notice a couple of the grounds and with the rain and with the dew and all that sort of stuff around that, that we're chopping up a little bit. It's a good pickup. Uh, Wade says seven or eight for the week is fine by me. Cheers. Good on you, Wade. Thank you. Mikey from WA says turn the TV off. Self-control is missing these days. It's a fair point. Uh, Mick says the Big Bash took off when Channel 10 had it on every night. Then it got extended and there were games every night. And then it sucked. Uh, this one as well. Uh, Jack, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, two games and Sunday, you said. Do you know anyone with kids? I must admit it is a bit of a balancing act to try and string the footy around the kids. And you don't always win the remote battle either. Sometimes you've just got to concede. And Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. Watch it on replay the next day or stay up late and watch it as well. one 736 736 We're talking before about the Cats and Hawthorne have been an interesting one. Um, last night, uh, we had Jack Revolt's Tiger time. So we we're talking about the Tigers, no doubt. Didn't get a chance to talk about Hawthorne. And I sort of wanted to get a bit of a feel for what you as footy fans are thinking about the Hawks right now. The, the reaction from their loss has been savage. Now, they didn't play good footy. There's no way in hiding that. Their performance against Collingwood was pretty ordinary. But we've got to forgive sometimes because their performance the week before, I didn't think against the Giants was as bad. It tailed away a little bit late, but it was the fact they gave away four goals to, to none at the start that really hurt them. Um, their win against North Melbourne was, was decent. It was a slog. It was low scoring. It certainly wasn't the, the highest scoring game of all time. We shouldn't forget their win over Richmond though in round three, 32 points on that Thursday night game. And I thought they played some, some good footy there. They're not going that well at the moment, but, has the reaction been fair? one 736 736 To your eye, is it rebuild time for the Hawks? Or are they just not playing good footy? Couple of injuries along the way. Can you see a way through? one 736 736 Or has the reaction and the criticism of Hawthorne since their loss on the weekend been fair? And are they now completely shot? Uh, let's have a listen to Luke Hodge, who spoke to Jared this morning. I think what the frustrating thing for, for Clarko would be the consistency. Uh, and if you look through it, they've lost to uh, Geelong, GW, GWS and Collingwood, which are all quality teams. Um, they've beaten Brisbane, who obviously top two finished last year, and they've beaten Richmond, the Premiers. So you sit back and look at their draw. hasn't been an easy draw so far, but what my concern would be for them is the inconsistency. And, and when they've lost, they've lost in a bad way. They got belted uh, by Geelong. And we spoke about it um, on Saturday that, this, when they play on a skinny oval, they really struggle with their ball movement. It's, I think with that group and with an experienced group, you can normally adapt your game style to suit a ground. Uh, and I think that's what Hawthorne has to do because they can't keep coming up against quality teams on oval size that they don't like uh, and getting belted by, by Collingwood, GWS and, uh, and also Geelong. So um, it's, it's a massive concern, but I reckon Clark will be sitting there taking out the positives of who they have beaten so far and the fact that they can play... Uh, really good football when it's their turn. they just got to be a bit more consistent with it. He's a champion of that footy club, Luke Hodge, and his opinion needs, needs and means an enormous amount. The inconsistencies, I agree with that, has been their biggest issue so far. And that's kind of my point, is that their good is good enough to win and to win well, but we're just not seeing enough of it. one 736 736 This is not just for Hawks fans. We're all watching a lot of footy at the moment. I think we've learned that from this hour. Is it time for the Hawks to drop back and rebuild or are they still around the mark? We'll get to your calls after this and give you the latest from the Tribunal on the other side of it as well. Special two-hour edition of Time On tonight. The news from the Tribunal is that Ben Long will miss the next three weeks. Up next is Dylan Shield. He's in there now. We'll keep you up to date. Daniel Cherney will join us next hour as well. We're talking the Hawks at the moment. Robert's in Thornbury. Robert, good evening. Good evening, Jack. How you going, mate? Good, thanks. Yeah, mate, look, uh, it's an interesting concept, the Hawks. I can see what Clarks is trying to do. I think it's, it's the comparison would be like uh, trying to fix a leaky shower and just putting some, uh, you know, stop gaps. I think what, what they've done, they've brought in, you know, players such as Patton, 
Um, Tom Mitchell. Uh, Burgoyne's obviously been there for a long time now. Um, and the list goes on. Some of those senior players, but I think they've picked them up as stop gaps and so they didn't drop right down the ladder. In 2018, they finished fourth, but went out in straight sets in the finals. And I just think that the players that they've recruited are past the best. For example, I think Jonathan Patton's really struggling at the top level. And um, as soon as the ball hits the ground, he's pretty average. So I just think the Hawks probably do need a rebuild. And um, I think that's where they're at. I think they do need to just go back to the draft and, and do what Clarkson did 15 years ago and start from the bottom and work their way to the top. Rob, nice to hear from you. Appreciate your call. Give Jonathan Patton time, I reckon. Uh, he was battling a little bit. It was sad to see, wasn't it? His injury on Friday night. He's going to miss the next couple of weeks with a hamstring injury. Give him some time. I think Amir has been fantastic for them so far. Tom Mitchell has been a superb recruit. That goes without saying. They're an interesting case, the Hawks. We'll take more of your calls on the other side of this. Billy and Lee, please do me a favour and stay there. You'll be the first two after what's going to be a very, very big second hour here on Time On. Coming up this hour, we check in with Danny Weidler from Channel 9 in Sydney. How do the outbreaks and the hotspots in New South Wales today not only affect the NRL, but the plan to potentially have more teams coming to Sydney to play? We'll talk more about that later on the hour. Speaking of the NRL, Max King from the Melbourne Storm will join me a little bit later on. More of your calls to start this hour on Hawthorne. one 736 736 where are the Hawks truly at right now? The latest from the tribunal, the latest injury news, and a whole lot more to come. Jack Heron on time on one 736 736 to join me on the phone. You can hit me up on the text as well. 0433 98 11 16. Normally at this time every Tuesday, we'd have the Melbourne storm hour, but the boys have got a night session. They are playing at night this week and they decided that they wanted to have a run under lights. Max King is going to have a chat to us. He's normally part of the storm hour. He'll chat to us a little bit later on as well. Tell us how the preparations are coming along for this week's game. The news from the Tribunal, if you have just flicked the dial, you've jumped in the car or you've joined us on the app, is that Ben Long has been suspended for the next three weeks. That ban handed down from the Tribunal about 30 minutes ago. So three games in a shortened season. He's a decent clip. He did run past the footy. Chris in Bateman's Bay has got some views on Dylan Shield. I know he's a mad Bombers supporter. He's sweating to see the result of that one. Dylan Shield is up right now. So we'll talk about that as it lands. Daniel Cherney's our man there tonight from Fairfax Media. He'll tell us more on that one. But we're talking about the Hawks. one 736 736 Didn't get a chance to do it last night. It seems like at the moment, there's one team who comes under really, really heavy scrutiny every, every Monday, Monday with the Our Breakfast Show, Jared's Monday Means Test with Kane, the Monday night footy shows where the Bulls are all in the paddock. This week it was Hawthorne. 
This week it was the Hawks' turn to take their spot in front of the heavy criticism that had been handed down. And it didn't look good. Some of the edits didn't look great. There's been a lot of discussion about the state of their list and where they're at. And I reckon a lot of you wouldn't have had your chance to have your say on the Hawthorne Footy Club. This is not just for Hawthorne supporters. We're all watching a lot of footy right now. How are the Hawks tracking? Is it time for them to drop back? Is it time for them to look at a rebuild and to look at going to the draft multiple times and doing it the long, slow way? Or are they still around the mark? They're just not playing good footy at the moment. one 736 736 to join me. Having watched the Hawks closely, like I do every other team at the moment, but my big issue that I can see with them is that there's such reliance on one or two in every part of the ground. So there's really only a couple of midfielders that are carrying their load at the moment. Jager O'Meara and Tom Mitchell are, are playing good footy. Ricky Henderson's numbers are down. And I think that some teams now have gone to work on Ricky Henderson and aren't just going to let him run up and down that wing all night long like he did last year because he is damaging, especially going inside 50. So I think his influence isn't being felt as much. But you go outside of that, I reckon Warple and Mitchell in the same midfield are still trying to work it out. I feel like they will work it out. But at the moment, they are still trying to find their way through that. Warple, a best and fairest winner. Mitchell, a best and fairest winner. So they're just getting used to playing with each other. Down back, there's a, a heavy reliance on a couple. And up forward, there's a heavy reliance on Jack Gunston in particular. Um, Jonathan Patton out of the team for the next couple of weeks with injury. Um, Mitch Lewis injured at the moment as well. What does that look like? Tim O'Brien, you talk about a player that threatens. There are, there are parts where you think Tim O'Brien could be one of the better marking key forwards in the game. And there are other parts where... He drops right out. But at the moment, it's Jack Gunston and Chad Wingard who are doing the bulk of Hawthorne's scoring. So that's to me, that's the biggest issue I see with the Hawks at the moment is that it's one or two players in each of the three parts of the ground and there's not enough contribution. Now, that there's a combination there of players who aren't playing good footy, inexperienced players who are still taking their time to learn at the level, and then perhaps some players who were just, were just not seeing or may have seen the best of. Didn't mind the look of Will Day last week. I've seen some good things from Jack Scrimshaw, and I think he'll really make it and have an impact at the level. And I know some Hawks supporters might cringe. Sam Frost is just starting to do some nice things. I wouldn't say full rebuild yet. I think going to the draft and getting a couple of high draft picks in the next couple of years is important for them to get youth, but to get quality youth in with this team. Billy's in Brighton. Billy, good evening to you. Good evening. How are you? Good, thanks. Hang on one sec. All right, eh? Hear me? Hear me you, can you hear me? Yeah, gotcha. Hang on. Just listen to me, okay? Hear me out. This is complete rubbish, all this talk about Hawthorne. I, I understand that we're the team of the week to talk about. They were talking about West Coast two weeks ago and Richmond three weeks ago. Listen, we've had some very poor... We've had a very poor fortnight. They hate playing at that stadium, at the Giants Stadium. In fact, we've never won there. Clarko's three years into a rebuild. Okay, we've been talking about the same stuff since 2017. How are they going to rebuild? They don't have the early draft picks. They're recycling old players. They're trading for players. The same, same story. We made top four in 2018. 
first half of 2019, we were very, very poor. And they finally started to click around the halfway mark. We came out round one this year. We were fully fit. We smashed up Brisbane. Yeah, you played well that we day. Destro- we destroyed Richmond in round three, which is three weeks ago. It's just rubbish. It's r- All these talks rubbish. You know, we had five of our best players out last week coming off a five-day break. In two weeks, we'll win a few games. I'll start talking about the next team. All this stuff about Clarko doesn't have the energy and we don't have the low draft pick. It's all absolute rubbish. So, Billy, can I, Billy, can I ask you one thing? I think obviously you're a Hawks man. Luke Hodge said today with Jared that it's the inconsistency that's the biggest problem at the moment. Do you agree with that? Yeah, but you've got to understand it's a very, very unique situation. These guys, not all of them are adapting to the hub. Mm. You know, they're not, they may not be sleeping well. They can't all get up. We've played two games at that shitty stadium. Friday night was off of... You tell me which clubs aren't inconsistent at the moment. Our West Coast and Richmond's consistency. Well, that's the thing with West Coast. They're starting to string it together. They've won three in a row, but your point's a good one. They were very slow out of the blocks. Really, really slow out of the blocks when it came to playing in the hub as well. It may just be one of those seasons where everyone's going to have fits and spurts. Um, Geelong's consistency at the moment is pretty good. Brisbane, I just every time I want to push the button with Brisbane and go all in on them, I just I have to hold back a fraction. And and I love watching them play. I've been accused before of being a Brisbane supporter, which I'm not. I've been accused before of being a Brisbane cheerleader. I, I think they play a really good brand of footy when they're at their best and they're great to watch. And I think they're a seriously good team. But as I say, every time I want to push the button and, and absolutely go with them, they just turn out something like what they turned out last week against Geelong. That was a pretty disappointing performance by them at the SCG. Billy, I can hear your passion, and one of your points might be a very good one, and that is that every team at some point this year are going to have some good and some bad. Let's face it, it is 2020 after all. Lee's on the road. Lee, thanks for holding on. Yeah, go, Jacko. How are you, mate? Good, mate. Look, uh, really simply, I'll boil it down. You had a caller prior to the break who spoke about the failures in our so-called stopgap players. Um, Barring Scully, who's struggling, and Patton, who's struggling, I can't name one other stopgap player who hasn't fulfilled their needs as an A player who's walked into our best 22 and contributed. And you may comment about Sam Frost. That's very intriguing. You say it the way you did as if Hawthorne fans might be disgruntled with him. Mate, I'm polar opposite in that regard. When it comes to his fundamental brain fades... And his turnovers, I reckon I've seen maybe one, two this year, whereas you could just about back him in to give you one or two a game with Melbourne. Now, Mm. whether that's because of structure or discipline, I'm unsure. But the bottom line is he's fulfilled every obligation and need we wanted from him, as has O'Meara, has has... Yeah, Wingard's won games off his own boot for us. Yeah, he's had a good year Um, so far, Wingard. Scrimshaw will be a player. Mark my words, he is a virtual clone, like you could get no other. Um, You know, Impey on the sidelines, he's another. We haven't... This so-called stopgap theory is a load of rubbish, uh, and I pulled up on that. Um, <laughs> so, you know, they, those particular players have done their job. Our biggest area of weakness, two for me. Firstly, we don't have the depth because we haven't had the draft picks. Yep. So, therefore, unlike other teams who get five, six injuries, who have been able to pick up multiple cap, you know, quality players each draft, we've managed to pick up one, maybe two. So, therefore, when you lose your top end... 
they're not top in draft picks. We bring them back in. Um, so that's really hurt us in that regard. So if any team struggles and cops criticism for depth, I'm happy to put my hand up and say, yep. But that is also a byproduct of long tubes success and a three P. Yeah. You can't have it both ways. And that's a strategy, Lee. Th- appreciate your call. I-, I love your passion as well. And some points really well, mate. That is the strategy. And, and when you go down that strategy, as Hawthorne have done for a long time, it means, and they've been, they haven't hidden from it or, or tried to play around or dodge it. They've been really open and said that that's the strategy wanted to take. They wanted to end to an extent, Frost to an extent, Patton, they got them for, for picks that, that weren't anywhere near as high because that's, that's the way that they think their list is geared at the moment to be constantly around the mark. So yeah, I haven't got much of an issue with that. I reckon my point on them going to the draft, Lee, was more that this year might be the right year to do it, which is a hard one to say given that we've got no idea what the draft's going to look like and who the best talent will be and how do we, how do we shape a top 10 when there's going to be no NAB League, There's state-level games in WA and SA, but that's about it right now. But it could be a good year to to really try and jag a top pick to complement, exactly like you just said, to complement all of the players that you've brought in along the way. And as for Chad Wingard, clearly underdone last year. For a lot of the year, brought in some niggles to Hawthorne. Looks a far better player this year and looks a damaging player this year. Lee, thanks for your call and for your passion as well. Dylan's in Coburg. G'day, Dylan. How you going, mate? Good, thanks. That's good. Uh, listen, um, I agree with a lot of the Hawthorne callers. Um, I think we're at a crossroads, right? I'd rather be top four than sit six to ten for the next few years. Yep. Um, Frost, I agree with, is being a great asset to our team. I haven't really noticed all these brain fades that everyone talks about. Um, look, Lewis came out, Hodge came out and said what they said. I do agree with them in a sense, but I don't think we need a full rebuild. Yes, I agree with you. We need to go to the draft this year. Will Day looks like a star. Yeah, he looked good, didn't he? He looks... Oh, mate, I haven't seen a kid debut like that and give me chills like that since I saw Cyril debut. So... I'm I'm guessing you didn't see Isaac. Did you see Isaac Rankin on the weekend, by the way, Dylan? I did, I did, but he's not a Hawthorne player, so (laughs) I I don't get too excited. Fair enough, fair enough. (laughs) Um... Yeah, look, also, one part of the ground that we do struggle in, and I can't get my head around Clarkson thinking here, is the McAvoy in the back line. Why don't you put him in the ruck? He put him in the ruck. He put him in the ruck in that third quarter, I think it was, on the weekend, and the game changed a little bit. Yeah, I... We got our hands on the footy. We were getting clearances. I don't know. I just don't understand the thinking behind it. Far be it from me to doubt Clarko, Dylan. Appreciate your call. I can't make sense of it. Um, Jonathan Segler re-signed with the club and they obviously wanted to give Segler that opportunity to be the, if you want to call it the number one ruckman, but the the starting ruckman. He's a fantastic drop-off player, McAvoy, and really strong in the air. He reads the footy well, and he did that a lot. When he was uh, playing as the starting ruck for Hawthorne for a long period of time, he was that old school ruckman in that he would take the ruck and then he'd drop a tap behind, uh, a kick behind the plate. A lot of ruckmen push up with the ball. Brody Grundy does that. Max Gorn certainly does that. He'll stay around the ball and around the stoppage for a lot of the time where McAvoy would quite often be more in the centre part of the ground and then drop back. So maybe that's where Clarko's seen it working in the past and thought, well, what if he was down there full time? He could do that week in, week out. The other th- part that I thought, 
when I've seen McAvoy float forward, even just for three or four minutes here or there this year, it's opened up the avenue for the Hawks. They haven't got a high-marking forward line. Gunston, mentioned before, is their leading goal kicker. He's a second tall. Some, in some instances, a third tall. He's a lead-up player. He's not, he's not a massive pack mark operator. Chad Wingard, fantastic when the ball's on the floor, looks really, really dangerous. Uh, some crumbing options are available. Obviously, Luke Bruce is injured at the moment with his jaw and should be back in the next couple of weeks. Um, I didn't mind McAvoy when he slotted forward at times. I'm not saying I play him as a permanent forward, but when he's in the ruck, he can do all three of those things, can't he? Whereas when he's down back, he can't play through the middle of the ground. He can't go forward. Clarko will stick with it, and Clarko can obviously see some some merit in it and some logic in it. He wouldn't be doing it otherwise. Just wonder for how long he sticks with it. Matt's in Mooney Ponds. Evening to you, Matt. How are you? Good, thanks. Yeah, I think um, Hawthorne are a bit of an interesting case. Um, so you think that if Clarkson wants to uh, regenerate the size, so you think that they have to go back to the draft because... Other than Tom Mitchell, uh, Jagger Amir, when he's healthy, and Frost, their recruits haven't been that... Well, maybe Wingard, you can argue, haven't been that good, I don't think, personally. Um, they certainly need to to bring back youth, I certainly think, and obviously the draft is obviously one way you can do that. Maybe even trade for players that are in that 18 to 25 role mark as well. They can't get a game, maybe, as well. Might be an idea. I'm sure Clark will figure it out. Yeah, they would They would be looking at all of these options. Matt, I reckon, and we had a caller earlier, with a bit of passion, talk about how good some of these recruits have been. Well, Mitchell's one of Brownlow. Um, O'Meara has been fantastic for them. I think he's all of his body concerns. We shouldn't forget with Jager O'Meara, he couldn't get on the park at the Gold Coast Suns. And Hawthorne have been able to get him right, and he's been able to play a, a decent chunk of footy with them since he got there. So... Since he's arrived at Hawthorne, he's played 16 games. Uh, sorry, he's played 21 games, 21 games, and five out of six this year. So that, that's better durability. He certainly wasn't getting that durability for most of the time at the Sun. So he's been really good for them. I think Tom Scully's been really good. He's not playing his best footy right now. But I think Tom Scully had a good year last year and... I wouldn't write him off just yet. He's just not in form at the moment. And I, I, I wouldn't write off Jonathan Patton either. He's going to be out for a couple of weeks, and, and that's really horrible to see. But I wouldn't write him off. I just saw some little signs. Only little signs, but I wouldn't write him off just yet. Libby's in Ormond. Libby, good evening. Oh, hi. How are you? Good, thanks. That's good. Yeah, I just think, um, look, clearly the Hawks, you know, do have to rebuild a bit. But... You know, we've got Bruce out with a fractured jaw. So you take him out of the equation. You know, Patton's gone off early the other night. Jarman Impey, we need him off half-back for a little bit of run and a bit of speed. And, you know, Tom Mitchell's just back after a whole year off. So I think everyone's getting a little bit hysterical a little bit too quickly. Yeah, and that was part of why I wanted to... Libby, thanks for your call. That was part of why I wanted to talk about it tonight, just to get a gauge for whether... Whether some of the criticism that's been levelled on Hawthorne you agreed with, you thought was fair, or whether perhaps you thought it was a little unfair. Uh, Dwayne's in Flinders Park has been hanging on for a little while, wants to talk about the Ben Long decision. Dwayne, thanks for holding on. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks very much. How you going, guys? Good. Come on in. Yeah, um, just um, on the Ben Long thing, I think 
I think it was round two uh, when Birdwine put the big tackle on uh, Dangerfield. And uh, it was just clear, you know. So that's very dangerous. I think we might have just lost you for a little bit there, Dwayne. I think Dwayne was trying to compare... I think the point he was trying to make, his phone was a bit sketchy, was the the Dangerfield and Burgoyne incident versus Ben Long. They're not the same. One's a sling tackle, one's a bump. The, the thing with Long, and I, I spoke about this off the top and we spoke about it on the Oval Office last night too, the thing with Ben Long is, and, and I wonder whether Dylan Shield's going to have the same issue. He's currently in, in front of the tribunal. He did, he did make the decision to bump. He did get Sean Darcy high, albeit Sean Darcy did fall over, but he got him high. And he did go past the footy and, and there's clear, clear rules in place. And, and that's been pretty open that if you go past the footy and you bump high, the consequences are yours. And the fact that Sean Darcy didn't take any further part in the game, he was all, he was cast from that point, I reckon. It was just a case then of whether it was one, whether it was two or whether it was three. Just before the break, Adrian's in queue, wants to talk about Ben McAvoy. G'day, Adrian. How you going, Jack? Good, thanks. Yeah, it's good. I'm a Hawks fan, and I, 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 watch, I watch the way we set up, and I think the issue with McAvoy is that we've overcommitted to too many other talls and back who are talls, and we've given Segler a relatively long contract. How do you fit all those in? And that's the balance, and that's, maybe that's part of the, the Ben McAvoy decision, Adrian, like you're saying, is to try and fit them all in. At some point, they might discover that they don't fit them all in but for now they're going to try I mean at one stage they had a forward line of roughhead Franklin Gunston three talls and, th- and that seemed to work definitely not comparing Tim O'Brien or Jonathan Patton to roughhead or Franklin but they have had tall forward lines that have worked in the past maybe what's that that's what they're looking for there they also they really miss Luke Bruce there's no doubt about that I agree with a previous call they definitely miss Luke Bruce and they need Paul Puopolo in form. He hasn't been in form for most of the year and most of last year. But when the ball hits the ground, they've got to find a few more options, I reckon. It can't just be, at the moment, it can't just be Chad Wingard as the only threat on the ground. So what do we take away from that? I think we take away that most are of the view that the Hawks need to do some tweaking, but they're a fair way away from a, free, from a full rebuild. Some fantastic calls. Thank you to everyone. Some great views on the Hawks. We're going to check in with Danny Widler on the other side of this. It's time on. Love it to be with you. Two-hour edition of Time On Tonight. You can join me at any stage. one 736 736 on the phone or on the text 0433 98 11 16. If you have just joined us, the news is not great from an Essendon point of view and from a Joe Danaher point of view as well. Strained a calf at training today is expected to be put back by another two to three weeks. Callum Toomey from afl.com.au has that story. Callum Ward uh, to miss the next six weeks with a knee issue. It's not the reconstructed knee, which is good news for Callan and for the Giants, but uh, bad news is that he will be out for the next six weeks, which if you put that into context, we're coming up to round seven this week and he's going to miss, miss the next six. It really gets him back with two or three to go before finals if the Giants are there. NBL free agency opens tomorrow. We'll talk more about that before the end of the show. And Racing New South Wales have made the decision to call off Warwick Farm Racing tomorrow because of a cluster in and around the New South Wales region and near the racetrack. And that seems to be a pretty wise decision. So no Metropolitan Racing tomorrow in New South Wales.
Well, it's been a day in Melbourne that's definitely evolved and the NRL are experiencing that in their own right now. Some hotspots developing across Sydney this afternoon. What does that mean for the season as it looks right now? Very grateful for Danny Widler, one of the best journalists in NRL from Channel 9 to join us. Danny, good evening. Good evening. What does it all mean? A couple of hotspots today. Just when you thought that everything was tracking smoothly and you might get a season done with very little or no disruptions and then we find out some of the happenings of today. Well, look, the, the first issue was um, the fact that the Queensland Premier doesn't want people from a certain area in Sydney's west coming to Queensland without being um, having to go into quarantine. So obviously that's going to immediately send alarm bells for the NRL. Uh, but look, they, they've got on the front foot uh, and their view is quite simple. They're going to put all of the NRL back into a lockdown mm-hmm. uh, and by putting the NRL players back into their bubble, they are hoping that there won't be further disruptions to the way the competition looks. However, uh, we don't know how it's going to evolve, how the virus is going to spread in Sydney, uh, and we have to obviously be concerned concerned about that going forward. Um, and we have to work out, obviously, the NRL has to work out a plan um, should it develop even further. So those restrictions that you talk about, that's what the players were initially under, isn't it? Where they, they can barely leave their, their hotels or their areas and they can't do some of the things that they've been able to do in recent weeks. It's play, train, home. Uh, obviously, they have to go to the shops at some point for supplies, but it's, it's about as severe a, a lockdown as you can, you can imagine for uh, the sportsmen. Yeah, it's, it's, not, it's not ideal for them. And at this stage, it's only for two weeks. But if the situation happens to worsen in Sydney, and unfortunately it looks to be uh, track, tracking in the wrong way, uh, that may change. And look, there's talk, um, there's been talk today that <clears throat> of relocating the NRL to Queensland. Um, but it may be, I don't know, I'm not, a, I'm not an economist or an expert with finance, but I would have thought it would have been cheaper to bring Queensland teams into New South Wales, but that brings them into the virus area. So yeah. there's... A lot to consider. And is that complicated now because of the, the Queensland government's stance, as you mentioned earlier? Well, I think that um, the NRL was going ahead even when the border was closed by, because they had the ability to fly their players straight in uh, and fly out again. So I don't know what effect that's going to be, uh, going to have going forward, but um, I'd imagine the NRL, and I'm sure they are uh, in touch with the Queensland government to try and work out a plan. So is there any concern at this stage, and we're not trying to sort of forecast the absolute doomsday scenario, but beyond this round, is there a possibility that that footy may be taken out of New South Wales? I I spoke to Peter Volandis today about uh, a number of matters, and he is saying it's not time to be panicking yet. Uh, I think it's just going to come down to uh, the the sheer numbers. Uh, That's how... Um, the NRL has operated. They've operated on the facts. And um, I think that, you know, if, if things get worse, they'll have to consider their plans. And I, I, think there, I think there has been a plan in the background to take teams to Queensland. But I also think there's been a plan, to, uh, another plan where they've come and be based in New South Wales. So I think that the NRL is uh, obviously planning for all sorts of scenarios. Uh, I can't predict what's going to happen, though. Are any other states a possibility? Or if the competition moves, it'll only be to Queensland? I haven't asked that question myself. It's a good question. Um, but I think that at this stage, Queensland's a bit of a haven, isn't it? I mean, mm. it's, it's a safe haven. And 
um, I think that would be the, the an obvious area for them to go. Um, and I think they could accommodate rugby league teams quite easily. Uh, it's just a matter of how bad the situation gets. On Peter Volandis, before I let you go, Danny, he's... His popularity rating must be through the roof at this point, surely. From an NRL fan perspective, for him to be able to do what he's done, get the competition moving, get a clean run at things so far. He he took a couple of leaps of faith along the way, but how do the NRL fans feel about Peter now? Ah, I've never seen anything like it in terms of... like Normally, we don't like officials or prime ministers (laughs) or anything like that, but Peter Valand, they've got T-shirts. You know, the NRL's, you know got the, the motto simply the best well yep. there's t-shirts to say simply the best you know like wow. with a big v yeah. on them so uh people think peter Valandis is unreal uh uh he there is no doubt the nrl would be struggling uh far worse than you know they are at the moment uh and they'd be in, they'd be in a situation where i don't know whether we'd be playing games yet if it wasn't for peter Valandis. that's how you know how proactive he's been and uh, how reactive the former administration was. So I think he's been, done a great job. This might become his biggest test yet. Danny, thanks for joining us. As always, we really appreciate your time. Anytime. Danny Widler from Channel 9 joining us tonight on Time On. That will continue to develop. Uh, we wish Sydney all the best. Obviously, Victoria and Metropolitan Melbourne in particular, the lockdown that we're experiencing at the moment is hard. It's challenging. I'll reiterate what I said last week on the show when we learnt that we were going back into stage three lockdown. Pick up the phone. If you are struggling or you know someone that is struggling, please give them a call. 10 minutes a day. I'm trying to do it every day in the car up at the moment. I'm still in the situation or the fortunate situation where I can drive to work and come into the office. I know a lot of people can't, and I know a lot of you are in the unknown with your, your employment at this stage, and I'm thinking of all of you, but... I'm trying to take the logic of when I get in the car, just ring one person on the way up, ask how they're going, a family member, a friend, touch base and, and see how they're doing. This is, is really rough what's happening in Victoria and, as I say, metropolitan Melbourne in particular. And I'm thinking of those listening in Sydney tonight in Metro Sydney because the signs aren't looking great with a couple of areas now officially declared hotspots. It's not much fun, this. But it's very serious and we've got to try and find a way to get through it together. It's time on on SEN. On SEN, your home of sport. It's time on with Jack Heverin. On it comes, George Williams got through. The tackle attempted by Hughes. Pappenhausen has slithered his way through. Sound the alarm. Pappenhausen's away. What a pickup. What a tightrope it was a wonderful performance by the Melbourne Storm last week. Very, very good victory. Games against Canberra, always tough, hard fought and hard earned. And the Storm were very much up to the challenge last week. Now, normally we would have our Melbourne Storm hour, 7 o'clock on a Tuesday, but the boys have had an extra training session and a night session. So we didn't want to miss out on the opportunity to find out what's happening with the mighty Melbourne Storm. And, well, Max King, always obliging to give us a bit of his time here on SEN. Maxie, good evening. Hey, Jack, how you going, mate? Hey, I'm good. How was the night session? Yeah, it was good. Um, it's something we don't usually do, but um, uh, we've got, a, obviously, a night game this weekend and the next couple of games in uh, Sunshine Coast. So, um, yeah, it was pretty pretty good for us boys to get under the lights and sort of get used to, um, you know, obviously it might be a bit more dewy and, um, yeah, a bit different. Would you train 
I mean, you do play a, a, a decent chunk of night footy, you guys. Would you train, if you weren't in a hub situation now and none of this was going on, would you normally train under lights or is this something completely new for you? Um, yeah, we have. We, we've done it a couple of times. I think sometimes it can, uh, you know, the floodlights can add, add a bit of expense to it. So, but we, we've done it a number of a number of times. Yeah, and um, yeah, I, I think it does help. You know, you just sort of see the stadium, and, and it just it's just a different feel to it. So, I think anything to sort of help get us prepared. To, best possible way, you know, come on the weekend, it works out the best. Uh, we played there as we welcomed you in a Ryan Pappenhausen's try from last week. Solo bit of work, best part of 80 metres from one end to the other. Was he pretty happy with it? Yeah, I think he was pretty happy. I wasn't in the... <laughs> Sorry, mate, I'm just, on, I'm just on the team bus on the way back now. They're <laughs> making a couple of funny faces trying to put me in and um, get a word on the mic, but... Um, yeah, no, I think Tuff is pretty happy with it. He was saying the boys' name during, during training and whatnot. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, we're on the bus. Is it starting to feel more normal? I know we spoke about it a little bit last week, but is it starting to feel like a, just almost a normal way of life for you now? It is. I mean, uh, I mean we spoke about it the last couple of weeks. Um, the boys are sort of starting to settle into... Um, Queensland, you know, the best they can, and um, it is starting to feel a bit normal. You know, one thing I wanted to emphasise on was um, sticking to our normal routine, and I think, you know, our bubble's done that the best possible way they have. So, yeah, everyone's enjoying it and sort of starting to um, feel more and more like home, but obviously, you know, it can't really replace being home, and, you know, obviously, we're going with that with Miss uh, Victoria. How did you go last week? The Renegades had a run around. How'd you go? Yeah, I've um, put myself personally. I've been struggling with a bit of an Achilles drama, so I, I didn't actually play. But the um, the boys they they went down two tries to the three, I think. But yeah, I think it was just uh, primarily just a good blowout for the lads, and um, yeah, it was just 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 a good, sort of good good run around for them and get a bit of match fitness up. Uh, will we see Cam Munster back this week? That's the talk here in Melbourne today. Is that he's pretty likely to play? I think he's been named, so we'll see him. Do you think? Yeah, like I said, I've sort of been battling my own dramas, um, mm. you know, with the Achilles off to the side. But yeah, from from all my reports, yeah, he's back and and ready to go. So yeah, good good to see him. Yeah, it'd be fantastic to see. Now I, I can't let you go. I know we've only got you for a short period of time here, but I, I need to ask you about your kangaroo spotting. It's made another appearance on Instagram. The storm is starting to really <laughs> blow this up. That you're becoming the the kangaroo whisperer within the team. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just yeah. It's like dogs. They um, they're a good judge of character, I think. And the kangaroos, they seem to flat to me, so can't blame them. <laughs> if that's your story, you can stick with it. I reckon. Maxie, always <laughs> nice to catch up. We'll uh, we'll catch you next week. But we thought it was worth checking awesome. checking yeah, in next week. Max, Max King joining as part of the Melbourne Storm Hour as he does every week. Last week it was with Nico Hines. Most weeks, Sandoriel uh, is in the chair, but the boys. We'll be back next week. Interesting there that they don't do a lot of night training. You'd think that they quite often would. There is an expense, as Maxie said, but I thought when I asked him whether that was something that they did often, I was surprised to hear him say that it wasn't something that they did that often. Night sport is something we're seeing more and more of, and that's been part of the criticism. Everyone's had a view on what the game has looked like this year. We are playing a lot more footy under lights, which creates a lot more dew. Greasy conditions, ball slides through, et cetera, et cetera. I'm not saying that's why, but makes you wonder why teams don't train under lights more often. Uh, before the break, Joe's in Roeville. Joe, thanks for holding on. 
How you going there? Good there. Yeah, listen, mate, I'm a Hawthorne member, 38 years now, and um, you know what? I'm turning 50 this year, and I've seen Hawthorne win the flag in every decade I've been alive. So even if we have a few more lean years, Oof. that's all right with me. But, you know, uh, when teams like Richmond and the Bulldogs can pull off flags, teams that have done nothing for the last few years, it, it always gives every team a bit of hope, I reckon. So, and uh, I'm just thinking of a few of our veterans are getting easy games. Uh, Bruce, Coppolo... Even Gunston, I think, mate. I reckon maybe they should have looked at trading one of those, two of those players when they had a bit of currency a few years ago. But the big downfall with Hawthorne, and no one will ever say why, ever since Cyril Rioli retired, I think Hawthorne went a bit downhill from there. Yeah, he was just this spark. He was the spark. He was the spark of that team, mate. Not Buddy. Cyril was the spark. He's one of a kind, isn't he, Cyril? Well, I don't know that we'll ever see another one like Cyril, to be honest. We were so fortunate to see him. And... And in many ways, it's such a shame that we don't get to see more of him. I hope that Cyril's enjoying himself and he's he's happy with the next phase of his life. I think with with some of your more experienced players that you mentioned there, Gunston, well, Gunston's your leading goal kicker for the year. He has to play at the moment. Maybe part of the reason is that guys like Tim O'Brien and Mitch Lewis will get there, I reckon, but they're not putting enough pressure on at the selection table. I think Gunston's had a great year, Joe. You've seen a lot of flags, though. You're a very, very lucky man as a Hawthorne supporter. We're going to catch up with some of the other stuff that you've missed from across the day news from the NBL. We'll talk cricket. We'll talk Premier League. And it's a year ago today since one of the more extraordinary happenings in world sport. I'll tell you what it is after this on Time On. Your home of sport. Time On with Jack Heverin. I think so. I think they've been missed the benefit of um, of having a, you know, a finals series, perhaps um, at you know, at a you know, location that is purpose built for this type of, of activity. We've had some of the biggest sporting occasions in our very short history. Two years, uh, we've had Manchester United playing here. We've had the um, Bledisloe Cup. We've had um, you know, great AFL finals football being played here. Um, cricket matches, test matches, ODIs. We've had you know all sorts of sports on, on top of that concert. So it really is the the big event stadium in the country, along with some of the other great. The ANZ Stadium um, is a, is a great stadium. Um, hasn't played uh, AFL football for quite a, quite a long time, and it is you know it is a, a fantastic stadium to one. But having you know worked at Essendon when we travelled there, I don't know that it's such a great AFL stadium. Um, but putting that aside, I, I think you know, what you get here if you had a, a grand final, a grand final or a final series in Perth, is passionate fans attending, and they'll attend games that involve neutral teams. I'm not sure if that's always the case in, in other states, but um, the thing we got to think about when we're talking about hosting the grand final in Perth or in Sydney is the fact that that means that the, the coronavirus situation in Melbourne is, is not under control at that time, and that's something no one wishes for. I mean, just the economic benefit to the country of having Victoria in the same position most other states are is the priority. And we'd much rather have uh, Victoria healthy and part of an open Australian society and travel society and business society than having a grand final in Perth. Um, yep. But if the AFL and the government determines that's the case, then we're certainly putting our hands up and be very enthusiastic about it. That's Mike McKenna, the boss of Optus Stadium, talking with Jared Waitley this morning. That chat in full is available on the podcast. The benefits of a grand final at Optus Stadium. Uh, my view is that we're still too far away to be even contemplating where the grand final will be played. We've got to work out what round nine looks like yet. But if you had to push me on an opinion on where it is, one thing I will say 
is that it can't be and shouldn't be at ANZ Stadium. And the fact that we are even entertaining taking footy to a ground that used to get caned year in, year out for its surface, for its lack of any sort of soul and appeal, for its concrete nature, the fact that it's a, a nightmare to get to, and no one wanted to play there. And the AFL, the first opportunity, got out of there as quick as they could. And we're talking about playing a grand final there, please. We've got a fantastic stadium in Perth. We've got a wonderful stadium in Adelaide. I am certain that one of those two, I'm happy to forego the extra 15,000, 20,000 fans that we could get to ANZ Stadium. Happy to forego that. Maybe a few corporates can miss out this year and let's play footy at a proper venue where people actually want to go to. So draw a line through Optus Stadium, please. Uh, stuff you might have missed from across the day. There's been one positive coronavirus result from 2071 tests in the latest round of Premier League testing in England. Uh, that positive result arrived in the 13th round of Premier League testing, which was conducted from the 6th to 12th of July. So lots and lots of testing, much like we're seeing here, much like all sports are doing around the world. But by and large... The Premier League results have been pretty good. They'd be pretty happy with those, the fact that there's just one positive corona test. Uh, in the NBL, free agency period gets underway tomorrow. A couple of the big names that will feature and that you need to keep an eye out for is Chris Golding. What's he doing? Is he re-signing or will he do a new contract, I should say, with Melbourne United? Could the Phoenix potentially get him? I know of at least one interstate club who have made pretty serious advances about attracting the services of Chris Golding. I would expect that Cameron Glidden will be a South East Melbourne Phoenix player. I would say that Ruben Tarangi will also be a South East Melbourne Phoenix player. Ty Wesley retired last week and Ben Madgen retiring yesterday has opened up a couple of spots on their roster. And I don't think um, the Phoenix are going to get access to John Robinson by the looks of things. I don't know that he'll be back this year. I hope he is, but it doesn't look like that he will be. Um, Adelaide will be big movers. Uh, All of the frolings are being discussed. Sam and Harry are being discussed about whether they'll be at their destinations. Illawarra do not have one player signed on their list right now under Brian Gorgian. So they are definitely one to watch as well. Second test between England and the West Indies gets underway on Thursday after the Windies were absolutely superb in winning the first test at Southampton. Jason Holder has taken enormous steps as a player and as a leader in the last 12 months. It's been superb to watch. And speaking of cricket, to finish up tonight, it's been a year today since that Cricket World Cup final between England and New Zealand. It's Archer to Guptill. Two to win. Guptill's going to push for two. They've got to go. It's got to has got to go to the keeper's end. He's got it. England have won the World Cup by the barest of margins. Martin Guptill kept short of his crease. Fantastic commentary from Ian Smith as well. He's a, he's a character, but he's proud and passionate New Zealand cricket through and through, and he had to find a way there to be impartial, to call the action and do a took the game and called the game for us this time last year as well. They're cool. But that's the moment. That This is the transcript. This is the moment. It's Archer to Guptill, two to win. Guptill's going to push for two. They've got to go. And by the barest of margins, that will go down in history, Ian Smith's call. By the barest of margins, absolute ecstasy for England. Agony, agony 
for New Zealand. One of the best games of cricket that I have ever seen. And long may that live in history. How good are Super Overs? Wouldn't you like to see more of them in cricket? A big thanks to all of you for all of your calls. Good fun. Two-hour edition of Time On tonight. We should do it more often. Good, good fun. Lots of ground covered. We spoke about the Hawks and we spoke a lot about footy. How much is too much? We still heard nothing on Dylan Shield. He's in at the tribunal arguing his case as... G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. We speak. Stick around though, the boys from Talking City are up next.